I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Chris Atsana Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shivanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. Future Jiu-Jitsu World Champion, Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week, boys. We got UC 287 to go over UCKC, which we will be at on Saturday night. Reporting live from the T-Mobile. Angel, are you going to say something about UCKC? Oh, man, I'm just fucking excited, Josh. I mean... Fuck your live stream. We'll be on Periscope. No, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're going to be on Kick. Just <laughs> <laughs> on Rumble. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah. We're going to be. We're going to. It's going to be us and uh, Power Slap, right side by side, fighting for the views, right? Oh yeah, and, and you know Dana would just be so thrilled about that, you know. <laughs> uh, but um, but anyways, man. Yeah, I mean, we got that. Coming up, uh, I'll see a bit of news. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Code sound off for 10% off of both of those. Rogue Energy, keep me fueled up, keep me going through my day, whether I'm at the gym, working out, or whether I'm at home, just working. Uh, Rogue Energy keeps me going, man. And you can keep you going, too, with code sound off for 10% off. But also, if you're looking for something on the opposite end of the spectrum, <clears throat> Elixir. They got Delta 8, Delta 9, HHC. They got dislets, joints, gels, whatever you want. They got it. And you can get it for 10% off with code SOUNDOFF at checkout. <clears throat> Angel, last Saturday night from the, I mean, this the name has changed multiple times, uh, but they were in Miami at what used to be known as the FTX Arena. I don't know what it's called now, but um, it was a hell of an event, man. UFC 287 in the main event. Israel Adesanya defeating Alex Paheya by second round knockout. You know, we 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 kind of came into this one, man. It was all about how will Izzy respond because he was in that position. I talked about it kind of last week. I said going into this one, he had the option, and you know, maybe not the option necessarily, but he had, he had the choice of pretty much being Rich Franklin or Anderson Silva, and this was his Anderson Silva moment. And he decided he's not going to be Rich Franklin, man. He's not being number two. Because he goes out there, he's lost this guy three times. Three times he's came so close. And on the fourth try, he got it done in the second round. Fantastic knockout. Angel, give me your thoughts, man. I know he's always been your boy. I know you picked him. And uh, I'm sure you got to feel, you know, you got to feel right right now. You know what I mean? You got to feel good. Oh, dude, I feel fucking amazing, dude. He was the favorite going into the fight, though. So it wasn't I wasn't the only one who thought he would win, too. Uh, I do believe the odds were, I have, I mean, I can pull it up right here, were relatively close. So Izzy was a minus 150 and, uh, Alex was a plus 125 according to Tapology, which I think takes like a cumulative amount of them, or I don't know. Regardless though, fuck man, he came back and he made a fucking statement with the finish he did. Um, fuck's sake, dude. I mean, one of the best title recaptures that I think we've had in a while, right? That's, I mean, obviously, Pena against Nunes was very respectable in the way that the fact that she went 50-43 to her, like you said. Mm -hmm. We were talking about it earlier a little little bit in conversation. But, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's other ones. A GSP Sarah, right? But, I mean, you, I feel like a lot of people probably at the time, I, I would hope, thought they would get it back. Um, 
just just to name off uh, some to to mention, but I think with the history and everything that this fight had, there was a lot of substance to it because of the history they had outside of MMA, and now this fucking guy who was like, you know, it, it was crazy, Josh, because for the long longest time before Alex Mahabe made his transition to MMA, everybody kind of. Uh, Knew about the guy who beat Easy in kickboxing. It was it was this guy Alex Pahey, this fucking Brazilian dude. He's like knocking all these people out. Has this crazy left hand, you know? Like that 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 uh that seed was always there. Like that that note was always played in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh and then it came over to MMA man, and it's 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 one and one in MMA, three and one in the series to some, two and two to others. Regardless though, fuck man, I don't know what's next, Josh. People are like, should they run it back? But at the same time, I'm like. I guess I I understand that perspective because there is no clear number one contender at this time at 185. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, is Alex really warranted to get a, a rematch or should he fight someone like a Marvin Matori or Robert Whitaker to set, get a second opportunity at the title at 185? Yeah, I got to be honest, man. Um, This is one of the rare times where I don't know what the UC is going to do. And I kind of... I don't want to say I'm going to give them a pass to do whatever the fuck they want, but, like, I – I I mean, they can kind of just do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, if you look at the rankings right now, um, and specifically, I mean, kind of the momentum of a lot of contenders in the division, it's just not there. But, by the way, I do have an, an idea that, like, I had brewing this morning when uh, – before well, I, I mean, up. I think there's a clear idea that's gaining traction. Go ahead. Oh, do you, oh, do you have one? Well, my whole idea is Alex moves up to 205. Automatic title shot. In, a, in their perfect world, Alex Pahir wins the title. They say, Izzy, do you want to be dual weight champion? Come up to 205 and fight Alex Pahir. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. That's not where I was going to go with that, but that's a good idea. But continue. Let me go ahead and let me hear your idea. I just want to put it out there. By the way, this is going to be a great TikTok clip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as um, what I think, I think that – Realistically, what do I want to see? I, I just want straight up see the trilogy. I, I think I think why complicate it? I think it's right there. Both of these guys are one one, and he and you know people throwing the kickboxing thing like you know he beat he beat his ass three times, and now it is. Well, I mean, this was kind of the one that everybody you know kind of thought was the most important one, and also I mean if you watch the kickboxing that this is why I told people in the lead of this fight, man, like. I picked Pahea, but you can't write off Izzy, man. I mean, those three fights were so fucking close. One adjustment, just one, could have easily flipped. Not just the one MMA fight or one kickboxing. You could have flipped all three. I mean, I just, I feel like people didn't actually watch either, either one of the kickboxing matches. I'm, I've always said that, but that's so, the way I feel. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to see the trilogy. What do I think is going to happen? I think Pahea 205, I mean, the fact that he... Got knocked out like that in that fashion makes me wonder if the weight cuts are starting to play a role because he is massive. And even then, I don't think if the guy is 36 or however old he is, I mean, he should probably just stop destroying his kidneys and shit anyway, right? Like, I mean, Josh, is he's he making this tough forever. If Dust, if Dustin Jacoby wins this fight this week, <laughs> and Bahama was the two two oh five, do they make him fight Dustin Jacoby? Dustin Jacoby versus Alex Payette. I mean, that's an that's an all time right there, dude. That fight has some history behind it too, because they fought in kickboxing. Yeah, I was about to say they did fight in kickboxing. Yeah, and, and that's probably something that no one knows. What a great TikTok, right? <laughs> yeah, well, he he knocked. I, I'm pretty sure he knocked out Dustin Jacoby. 
I'm, um, I'm I'm pretty sure they fought one time and it was a pretty devastating knockout. That was around the time I yeah I was trying to get into kickboxing and like dude like it was just it was kind of hard because like there was no Americans in glory that could make any noise and the closest guy was probably Dustin Jacoby. You know? Hey man, you gotta give him some credit though in his own right. He he has he's good. He's 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 made a really good run out of things you know. But yeah, that was back in 2014. I actually just looked it up really quick because I was very curious. So that was actually before. The Izzy KO that happened in 2017, the the knockout that probably everybody's seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, as far as what I think will actually happen, I think um, Pahaya 205, who he will fight, I do not know. I think maybe the Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker winner would make sense. Yeah, they could, they could do that, yeah. Yeah, maybe even Yon, but I don't know if Yon is. I mean, there's there's tons of fun fights. He, he, he returned? No, I'm just kidding. Here, yeah, I mean, that, no, I was on that. By, by the way, I also heard another name be added to this equation, Josh, and I, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but no other than our boy Hasmat Shemaev introduced into all of this 185 talk. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, dude. I, I'm is, 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 I would love to see that fight. I would love to see the fight. But at the same time, one, he has not beaten a guy at – I mean, he's he beat, um, oh, my God, GM3 at 185, right? But that's the only guy. Um, or maybe he beat one other person at 185. But for the most part, he hasn't really competed much over there. I think giving him a title shot would be pretty fucking wild. Um, but, I mean, weirder things have happened. But I do think that the, the Angel, it's going to be Drinkus Duplessis, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you man. think I'm joking? Did you, have I've, you I've, seen him and Easy going back and forth? I've already seen the back and forth on Twitter, man. I already know. Yeah, and and when hey man, when there's smoke, there's fire, you know. And uh, props to hey, I'll give props to Drinkus Duke Plessy. I mean, he's, he's putting himself out there. I mean, that's very some, important. Yeah, I mean, something that it's a term used in wrestling, but it also works for MMA. It's it's going and grabbing the brass ring, like you see it, and you're cut, like you, you know what you need to do, and you're going out there, and you're fucking. You're searching for it. You're fighting for what you deserve. Drinky Duplessis feels he deserves a title shot. So since the fights, he's been and because there's no clear contender, he's like, yeah, I'll beat Izzy in South Africa. You know, like I just mean, talking, talking that shit. Nobody I mean, else has said anything. I mean, I mean it, it, it makes sense because look, if you look at it, already beat number one, beat number two twice, beat number three twice, fought Jared already, or no? Yeah, he did fight Jared. He fought up uh, Paulo and beat him as well. Karikas is the next opponent out of the top five who Izzy has not beat and is on a win streak, on a multi-fight win streak at that. Exactly. It is justifiable. I mean, if they want to have something between the Pahea fight, if they're like, hey, you know, we don't want to give Pahea the instant rematch or whatever, but we we do want him to fight again, or we want him to fight a, you know, someone else in between or whatever, however they want to do it, I guess Karikas makes sense uh, if, if they don't want to go to any other options. I, I think there is stuff laid out there. I will say for the other 185ers at the top of the rank, they're kind of not in great places. Obviously not by choice, but by situation. So that's just how it works out right now. The only person who's on an active win streak in 185 within the top 10 is Rikas. Because let's go to Jack Hermanson. I, I don't. I don't believe so. Right? I think he's he's, he's coming I mean, off a loss. No chance. Yeah. No. Roman coming off a loss. Derek coming off loss or coming off a few. Sean coming off a win, but a loss before that. 
Uh, obviously, Drakus, once again, like we talked about him. Apollo, we don't even got to mention him. Jared coming off a win over Sean, but hasn't fought very recently. Marvin coming off a win now, but was lost before that. Robert coming off a one win now. And Alex Vega coming off a loss. So, yeah, I mean, it's looking like Drakus, unless they want to give one of these top three contenders a fight between each other or give one of them a chance. Yeah, I mean, I saw Whitaker. It kind of flew under the radar. Whitaker said that. Um, Give me Pahaya. No, he he said that before the fights happened, that the UFC told him to uh, one that they hadn't offered him anything in a long time, and two that he had a conversation with the UFC realm. So recently, they said, "All right, we're gonna wait and see how the fight goes between Izzy and Pahaya." Well, yeah, so, that makes sense because they could have done a Izzy Rob Whitaker mat rematch for the title. Yeah. If, or something like that. I mean, they still can. They can do a Whitaker Adesanya trilogy. I think that second fight was really close. I just don't know how much. I don't think we've already seen Izzy beat twice. It's kind of like the Max Holloway situation, but not as severe. Yeah. So yeah, most no. people thought Max definitely won one of those two fights, whereas it, you know, Rob got knocked out one, and the second uh, fight was close. I, th- I think the issue there really isn't any like major interesting 185 contenders. Like, there's guys who have potential, who we're kind of curious about. But when we're really looking at the 185 division, yeah, there's guys like Drikas, but is he really turning that many heads? And I'm not saying he shouldn't be. As far as the masses, though, there's really no one who's kind of like, I want to see Izzy fight Drikas, whereas you have this guy in Alex Bejea who has history. There's some story there. He's beating him. There's there's something there. That's where the interest really lies. So I, I get why they're really looking in that direction rather than anybody behind him because he's already beat those guys or the guys below the top six or top five don't have a lot of multiple wins in a row. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing, is none of these people... Every, I mean, honestly, the entire 185-pound division, dude, they're all, like, in a bad place at a bad time. I think it's probably the best way to put that. You know what I mean? Because they're just... They, right now, there has never been a more clear division where it's like, all right, well, when now? You know? <laughs> and Man. now there's just... I mean, the closest guy is Drikas, and I guess he'll get it, but I don't know how many... But even then, that's... Gonna be, yeah, go ahead. Even then, that doesn't come with some sort of like, well, you know. I'd be interested if they do it in Africa. Right. I mean, that would make some sense. I mean, you know. Janice said they're looking at it still. So Yeah. I mean, no, for sure. I think the interest comes there because of obviously the drama there, and we don't got to get into all of that, right? But, uh, I mean, can you imagine all the Nigerian fans that would come out for Izzy and or just any African fans that would come out to experience a UFC live event? Uh and same with the South African fans, obviously supporting someone who is local, who they know, who has relevance in their country and has a name outside of other sports that are major there, like rugby or, or other sports. Maybe I don't I'm not a, necessarily think that are big within the U.S., you know, that are that are out there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, ultimately, I think we should move on. He's been on this topic for a while. But as far as the uh, the future goes, man, it's bright for Israel Adesanya. I mean, this is his. This was his fucking Roy Jones he almost forgot. You know what I mean? Like, what an all-time moment, dude. Goddamn. And what a win. Um, one last thing I do want to talk about, though. Um, what do you think about him? Uh, what do you think about Izzy taunting Pahaya's son after the knockout? Because we know that back in 2016, uh, whenever they fought in kickboxing the second time, and Izzy got knocked out, uh, Pahaya's son made fun of him after getting knocked out. So what do you think about Izzy kind of repaying the favor seven years later? Hey, man, like how that famous clip goes, fuck them kids. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I gotta be honest, dude. Like, I don't care one way or the other. Like, I think is it a little bit mature? Like, totally. It's very yes. 
Yes, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to justify that. Yeah, I'm not justifying. I personally would not taunt the the crying fourteen year old. You know what I mean? Like I I personally would, Josh. I I mean, you're sad like that though. I mean I guess I'm just, <laughs> I guess I'm just not no, nah, you know what? Fuck it. I probably would. You know, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, you got, hey, you got everybody who made fun of it, not made fun of it, everybody who, like, gave shit to Izzy. You guys ever killed, like, an eight-year-old in, like, Call of Duty and just, like, <laughs> heard him over chat and you're like, I'm going to go fucking kill that kid again? <laughs> if you've ever done it, which I know you have, because everybody's it's, had that experience. It shot and his body and teabagged him, too, in the game. Exactly. And you're like, I bet this kid is so upset right now. You're 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 just as bad. I'm just letting you know. There's <laughs> something you're not even wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that's what everybody did, you know. Um, good, good comparison, bro. Honestly. But anyways, man. Yeah. Um. As far as uh, moving forward, man. Co-main event. Gilbert Dorino Burns getting the job done. Not too many surprises in this one. I think we're accurate in that this fight was closer than what people expected. I know a lot of people even gave Jorge round one. But in rounds two and three, Burns rallied and, you know, took the fight to the ground, landed some big strikes, ends up getting the nod by unanimous decision. Afterwards, he said he's not going to fight until he gets a title shot. However, that was overshadowed by Jorge Masvidal announcing his retirement. I mean, give me your thoughts, man. Is this... What's up? I said we got a little double conversation here going. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, go ahead with your... um. Your thoughts, man, on, on ultimately, because we'll talk about Burns in the future of 170 in a minute, but as far as Masvidal deciding to hang it up. It makes sense, man. I mean, I do think that a lot of his peak of his career came later on, right? His, his most notable moments, I guess, is, 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 uh, I think would be the right way to articulate. Obviously, after he came back from that game show, I forgot where, I obviously flipped some switch in him. He talked about how that uh, changed everything for him. and how it made him who he is kind of now as far as uh with his career, I'd say, not him as an individual. Or maybe it did, I don't know. Regardless, that was a big point in his life, and it changed him. And kind of how he capitalized on it after that, man, because it changed everything. I mean, he, he went on that three-fight, one streak right there. That was big, wonderful. Was, what was, no, it was Darintel, Askren, and Diaz. And that set him on fire, man. He became mm-hmm. super popular after that, and obviously selling himself, talking, and his whole backstory to being in these, you know, backyard fights and all this shit. I mean, he had a, he's one of those guys who, I don't know if we'll ever see another guy who has this kind of build up and story. And he he been around a while, man. He was back in those strike force days, and then you know now and then later in the UFC, and, and he fought a lot, a lot, man. Even I think he even fought in Bellator at one point, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, he fought in Bellator. Was it Bellator one? Maybe he he might have even like fought on like the first ever Bellator card. Yeah, he main evented against Nick, Nick Aguilar. Yeah, he knocked him out. And by the way, Eddie Alvarez co-main. Yeah, Bellator yeah. one. And shit, shout out Joe Soto on the prelims too. Oh, I've mentioned it before, man. Those guys almost fought too. That's crazy that we almost had that fight. Shit, we might be able to have it now. Bare knuckle. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> Regardless, though, I mean, Jorge had a fun career. I think maybe people would look at his record at times and be like, this guy was a fucking journeyman. Some of those jokes come from Kobe. But this guy was a fighter. I mean, there's, you know, there's certain times guys get these monikers and nicknames that are, you know, they're cool. Some of them fit very well to their personality or whatever. But I think game bread for Jorge is very indicative of him as a person and him as a fighter. I agree. And, um, 
for me, I think the big thing about Jorge Masvidal is probably, you know, if I, I saw some people talk about it. I was like, what is Jorge Masvidal's legacy? And to be quite honest, I don't know what his competitive legacy entirely is. Because if you look at his resume, it's like, you know, I mean, he's got some really good wins. And you listed off the big ones. Specifically, you know, um, Darren Till, Nate Diaz, and, um, oh my god, Ben Askren, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, those were obviously the huge wins, but he had other wins outside of that, man. And he's a guy that didn't really get much of recognition until the later part of his career, but he was always good, man. I mean, he, he fucking, I remember him versus Cowboy Cerrone. And I remember nobody gave him a chance in that one. Because that was Cerrone whenever Cerrone just moved to welterweight, and he was on an insane run. I like a six-five-week streak or something, all by the way of knockout, and he had some crazy just – I remember his his combination of a fucking Rick story was just crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, re- regardless, man, Jorge Oswald beat that guy that one time, and he had other great wins like that one over Donald Cerrone. And the reality is that his legacy is that I think – it's kind of funny because we've talked about this sort of something like this recently, but it's the idea that it's never too late. It's never too late for you to get that moment and for you to get that success in this career. And Jorge almost didn't get it. He almost missed his, his competitive window. But in his mid-30s, like, this is the thing that I feel like newer MMA fans don't understand. Like, I see a lot of people... Because MMA has grown so much over the last three years, dude. I mean, we've I've been watching for over a decade, and I've been watching for um, 2015, you know, close to a decade, somewhere around that time. Um, we we kind of watch Jorge Masvidal. It's not his entire career. We watch a, a sizable portion of it. A lot of people are like, man, he's just he's a bum. He's terrible. But like, dude, during that 2019 2020 run, I don't think too many people actually expected Jorge Masvidal to win the title. That wasn't that wasn't the point. We all kind of knew. That wasn't going to happen. But the fact that he still stepped up and did this incredible thing, like, dude, like, he was 35. You're not supposed to all of a sudden at 35 become a superstar. That's not what's supposed to happen. And there never will be another guy quite like Jorge Maslow for that reason. I mean, there will be guys who will come along. We just talked about Daniel James. You know, he's 42, been fighting for a decade, just now getting his break in Bellator. But I don't think we'll ever see, because Jorge had been fighting for already, like, 15 years by the time he started main eventing cards and became a big deal and so on and so forth. So, yeah, man, I think Jorge Maslow's probably his biggest success is the idea that it's never too late, you know, to go ahead and find that success in the sport or in whatever discipline that you're doing and whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, man. I mean, hell of a career, dude. Hell of a career. I know that. Man. Be- yeah. I was going to say, I, I just looked it up. He made his professional debut in 2003. Professional debut. Keep in mind, that's not including the fucking street fights. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, to put yeah, it in perspective, man. you know. Yeah. Anyways, man, it is definitely, definitely interesting, man. I think that um, the thing with Miles Wall's career, dude, is just it's so unique. Like, I know that, like, a lot of people hate the guy. Like, he's very, you know, a lot of people I, really do hate him. And I don't understand. I, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't get it. Yeah. I think it's just because he's real. Like, but real in this kind of more outspoken way than Diaz, you know? I feel like Diaz doesn't really say a lot, though, Josh. Like, really think back to some conferences and stuff like that. Yeah, like, he'll respond, all this and that. But he doesn't have to say a lot to get people going. You know, where Jorge is really outspoken, you know, really gives his opinion and thoughts on people. 
You know, he keeps it real in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of what separates him is because he's a little bit, a little more of a loud mouth. Not not Kevin Holland necessarily, but I mean, shit, they had a little bit of drama. So, I mean, there you go. <laughs> but regardless, I mean, I think one of the greatest things, I think one of the things that can describe his career as well, Josh, is that, and it's funny, I'm going to take a little Joey's Diaz quote, he has that immigrant mindset. You know, Even though he was not a migrant himself, his family was a migrant family. I believe his mom, he spoke about his mom came from Peru, his dad fucking rode on this raft from Cuba to, I think, like Jamaica or some shit, some crazy shit like that. I remember. And kind of his living situation, how it was, how he went from having, you know, not much money, maybe not growing up in the best environment to now being a fucking multimillionaire, you know? He was on that fucking grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, something to kind of jump off topic real quick, I want to ask. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, he's totally not actually done, right? Like, he's going to fight again at some point? I, I don't know. At some I mean, point. I mean, I, I'm not I, saying I, anytime I, soon. I'm just saying at some point. I, I think it's uh, – look, I don't know if he believe. I don't know. Maybe I, I think that Josh, in it himself, he could think, I'm tired of this shit. I don't want to get hit anymore. I don't want to cut weight anymore. I don't want to train. You know? Or maybe he just felt like that for a short period of time and maybe he'll come back because I think as for him right now, I think there's still fights on the on the table. I think there's still people that he could fight and could beat potentially. I – I just it, – it's looking like he's not interested anymore. Like I said, he's been alluding to it since that uh, Joe Rogan podcast. That was kind of one of the first times I, I kind of heard it, and I think I even brought it up on the show previously and even mentioned to you privately. If if that's the end of the career and it's official and it's done, so be it. I'm happy he made his fucking money. That's what it's about, man, in the entertainment business and in the in the sports business. You want to see these guys make as fucking much money as possible, live amazing lives, and do something so unique and entertain th- dozens of people and grow these fan bases and inspire others to do the same. Then yeah, I think this is a nice end to his career. Yeah, and ultimately, I hope he does stay retired. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. I just think I've seen enough guys come and go, and then come and go and come and go and come and go to know that uh, <laughs> the and that Jorge he's gonna he's gonna come back just to go at least one more time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's the way I feel about it. Because like, dude, like Jorge right now is in a weird position to where like he is. This is this is why it sucks to peak in your mid thirties, dude. Because we're in Mazda right now. We kind of didn't know where he was at, and I thought this fight was going to show us. This is as good as Gilbert Burns is. On paper, this should have been a style matchup to where Jorge can have some success in, and he did. But dog, if that was Jorge Mazda of 2019, and he stood up there on the feet with Gilbert Burns for the first, the entire first round. One, I don't know if he gets out of the first. Two, I don't know. I definitely know that Gilbert didn't win the round. You know what I mean? And, you know, they were, they, he looked fine, but then he gassed almost instantly. Jorge's kind of washed at this point in career, at least at the top competitive level. But can they make him versus Conor McGregor? Could they make him versus Nate Diaz too? Could they make him versus Logan Paul or Jake Paul or KS Guy? Fuck yeah, they can, man. I mean, there's too much money for him to sit out, man. I think. I think he'll be back, especially with his promotional stuff. Um, I don't know how well that will do, like just generally speaking. So I could see him coming back. Mm-hmm. But we got to talk about Gilbert, man. We can't forget we do. Gilbert. So. Yeah, we got to talk about Gilbert because he said, you know, he he's not fighting until he gets the title. You know, there 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 are guys that in that welterweight division where uh, a lot of those guys, the Colby Covington, they get up to the top level. It's becoming like a popular thing now. In MMA, and I, I've kind of really, I haven't even noticed it, Angel. I'm not sure if you'll, if you'll relate to this. There's like guys in MMA, the sports kind of changed. Like the, the meta, I guess, has changed. 
Like, back in the day, you'd win fights just to win fights and get back in the cage. Like, dudes in the top ten, they'd fight three times a year, and they'd fight guys in the top ten. Like, obviously, there were outliers, but it would be, like, one guy per division. Like, welterweight, Gilbert Burns like, the only guy who fights, and now he's saying he's not going to fight. So, like, (laughs) this division is chalked right now, man. But as far as his uh, title shot demand, do you think he should be next? What do you think about his ultimate, uh, you know, picking up the win? I think he's calling out the wrong guy, though. I think that's the thing. I just think really, I think, uh, look, there's people that sadly, because of, you know, not sadly, but for a number of different reasons, I think we're above him, like a below Muhammad, Chemaev, obviously Colby, we kind of pretty, we're so for the UFC for some reason wants to give him another title shot. I think his real call out should be someone closer to him, someone he actually has a very personal connection with. I think that should be Kamaru Usman, the number one contender in this division. Per the rankings, per the rankings. Mm-hmm. He's fought before. It'd be their second fight together. I do genuinely think he could beat him. I think he has the skill set. I think he has the abilities. I think as Kamaru's kind of aging a bit, injuries kind of, you know, already was considering retirement for a little bit while now. Mm-hmm. Take that fucking number one, man. Fucking take it. Fuck calling out Kobe Covington. Fuck out calling out Leon Edwards. That's not going to work. And you know the Jemaya fight, you've already had it. You didn't get it. I mean, you didn't win it. You got it. Sadly, didn't end up getting the win on that. Bilal Muhammad, I mean, sure, I guess they could maybe set that up, but they're trying to set up my boy Bilal with Shakvat, so you're really not going to get a... The only available name on that list who's above you is Kamar Usman. Get that one back, brother! Call out Kamar Usman! Oh, that's a good one. I know know you guys are friends. I knew you guys got separated and went to different gyms, so you guys could be be cool, and you guys seem to have ended things on good terms, but who knows? There's always going to be a little bit of something, right? You know, but there's the respect there is established... Call out Kamaru Usman. I think the fight for Gilbert Burns is actually Kamaru Usman. I haven't heard a single person talk about this. I've joined on a few podcasts now. I've watched multiple clips. No one's mentioning this. Kamaru Usman is the fight for Gilbert Burns. The second fight. Let's run it back, baby. Co-main event. That makes a lot of sense, dude. I'll give you props. I didn't even think about that. Um, I thought just Gilbert title shot or bust, but I mean, that's a good... Hey, man, that's actually a really good fight booking right there. That makes a lot of sense, dude. Um, that's a... We gotta get Mick up on the line, you know. I'll go ahead and hit him up, you know. I'm I'm doing their job with I'm doing their job for them, man. I already set up a hand for them at 205 and potentially Izzy, you know, a trilogy with a fucking dual title on the line for Izzy as well and setting up for greatness. Like I'm fucking writing the script for them, man. They just need to capitalize on them. For real, dog. I hear you. I hear you, man. Um, yeah, that's a banger right there, man. I would love to see that fight. Um, I I mean. I guess if he's not going to fight, I mean, look, here's the reality. It's like, I mean, the UFC is not going to give anybody. Dana is, once, here's the issue with Dana White, is like, there are times where, like, there are some times, like, he digs his heels into the ground, and he's, like, right on it. Like, he's actually correct. Like, as much as as I shit on Dana, I don't hate Dana White. Like, I just, I think he's a really, I think he's gotten lazier in his 50s, and he's no longer the promoter that he is. It should probably step down. It's kind of an asshole. Um, but I don't wish the guy any ill will or anything. But it's pretty clear. There's sometimes whenever he digs his heels in, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons, he's going to die on that hill. Like Colby Cummins, he's getting a title shot next. So if you're Gilbert Burns, man, and you know how Dana White works, you might as well just go ahead and call out Kamara. I mean, that's a, that's a big fight. If you win it, you'll definitely get a title shot. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean... If I'm Gilbert, I get it, dude. It's not fair. It's not fair. I get but it, it. But that's the UFC for you, man. He's already found that out. Exactly. It's not a sport dog. It's it's entertainment. So, you know, you got to go ahead and do that. 
But anyways, man, um, yeah, I mean, hell of a win by Gilbert Burns. We'll see what he does next. Next up on the main card, Rob Font just butchering Adrian Yanez. And I do want to talk, Angel, I got a story. And Angel, you know the story, but I want to tell it for the people that have not heard it. <laughs> so there I am at my local Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm there at my local Buffalo Wild Wings watching Rob Font and Adrian Yanez go to war. Just going back and forth. And this is a, this is a run of one round war, Angel. Like this fight lasted two minutes fifty seven seconds, but they I don't think there was a single second in there where there was not a punch being thrown. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm watching my I'm watching it. I'm watching the local Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> and the TV goes out. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The TV when I had to go yell at a waitress, you know. <laughs> no, man, and, it's, uh, it's crazy because there was no other TV that was showing it either. It's crazy. There was only one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> it was just it was just crazy. But uh, yeah, and I turned back on as Adrian Yanez was on the mat, and I just I missed everything. So that was just fucking heartbreaking. But Angel, you saw the fight, so why don't you give me your thoughts? It was a banger, man. It was fun. I will say, and I, I don't know if I mentioned, I feel like I did mention it on a show. I don't know. But I said this about both young guys. I mentioned this about Raul, and I think I mentioned it about Giannis. Or at least I mentioned it to someone that I was talking to throughout the week. And I'm like, do not be surprised if these two young guys lose their fights. And I, I did have my concerns going to the Rob Font fight, and I had mentioned it on the show. I'm like, look, Rob has heavy hands. That's a big scare for me. Because I've seen Giannis get hit clean fair bit of times uh, you know there, there are some guys who were damaged a little bit more than others bleed a little bit more than others. it's just how it is it's just the nature of some guys he's untagged i mean i haven't seen i don't think i ever saw him super hurt i can't recall if it's about man i probably have i don't know regardless though i knew this was always a possibility and it ended up happening i just thought that potentially Giannis was going to keep keep the hype train going keep it keep doing his thing and be mobile get out of the fucking line of fire not get tagged and and get the W. It ended up happening, man. Uh, Rob was able to connect, and he connected fucking good, and that was the end of the fight. And uh, I knew this was always a possibility, and that's the outcome we got. I just thought Giannis was able to do something. But look, he's young in his career. He has time. I think he'll learn from this. He was very confident going into this. Understandable, like like another young fighter on this card that we'll get into here in a bit. He'll be back. There's a lot of time, but this, this 135 division is a dog's dog division, man. You know, you you really got to be a motherfucker to stay around in this division. And Rob Font just proved that, man. Coming off a, you know, he had, I think he had a win behind this, or I don't know if he's coming off the losses. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. Regardless, though, he came back and he he showed, yeah, I'm not to be overlooked. I might be coming off that Cheeto and Jose Aldo loss, but I have these fucking hands of steel, and I'm going to put people out with them uh, at some point in the fire. I'm going (laughs) to fucking hurt you and tag you. And he fucking did that against Adrian Giannis, a guy who was kind of built up, kind of hyped up, but they were kind of setting, they were kind of trying to set up Giannis here because they were getting him a ranked guy who had, you know, two back-to-back losses, you know, and they're both stand-up guys. It would be exciting and to be on the main card. And, uh, you know, right under Jorge, a guy who he's been compared to. But no, he shut that shit down. He did. He did. And dude, you gotta give, uh, you gotta give props to Rob Font, dude. I mean, he's a guy that coming in here, man. We both kind of said, like, I'm pretty sure we both picked Adrian Yanez, but dude, like, that is a very, very tough man right there. And, uh, this, this kind of card was littered full of performances of, uh, you know, 
to the, the nod to the great RJJ, you almost forgot, you know, uh, multiple of those types of performances. <laughs> this was one of them. Huh? Nothing. I just coughed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I, tried to, I tried to mute. I didn't get enough time. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, Rob Font, hell of a performance, dude. Big knockout win. Love to see it. Adrian Yanez will be back. He's young. He's 29 years old. And even then, like, this fight, man, like, he was landing some huge shots early. But he got caught. And uh, that happens sometimes, man. That's the way the game goes. Speaking of the guys that got caught, Santiago Ponzinibbio getting flatlined and then instantly coming back to life, though, uh, after getting knocked out by Kevin Holland in the main card. Uh, Kevin Holland, dude, interesting guy. We talked about his consistency um, throughout his career, about how it's not always necessarily been there. And maybe this is the start of something new, man. He looked go- he looked really good here, man. Got the knockout win. What would you think? I mean, it was good. I mean, it was impressive. We both picked him to win. Uh, probably the most quiet I've ever heard him during a fight, right? I mean, do you, do you recall ever really hearing him talk at all during a fight or saying a lot? Uh, not really, no. Um, it, was, it was one of his more quiet folks, but, but but he had to. I mean, he had to log in for this one because he's not in the rankings anymore. He's lost to a guy in the rankings already. He's going to have a... Heck of, a, heck of a time climbing those welterweight rankings, dude. Because, look, I'm going to exclude Jorge Masvidal out of this, but the bottom three right now in welterweight are Michelle Pajet, Jack Della Maddalena, and Mike and Michael Chiesa. Dogs. Mm. Fucking yeah. dogs. You know? That's the bottom three. We're not talking about middle of the pack. We're not talking about Sean Brady, Wonderboy, Shockbot, and Luke, you know? Guys who mm. are also fucking beasts in their own right. I'm curious to see who his next fight will be at 170. I'm assuming they'll give him someone ranked, um, someone within the middle of uh, right there, maybe like a Neil Mag- Neil Magny type. But Sente Luke, he's been out of action for a little bit, obviously coming off his Jeff Neal loss, and it would, it would get Kevin Holland right back into the rankings right there at number 10. I think there's options there. Maybe a Jack Delamalina? I don't know. I don't think so because Jack's trying to get on a card here soon. I forget when. Uh I think he had mentioned, I think I had seen something on Twitter or something, or maybe he has an opponent. I don't know. Regardless, good one for Kevin Holland. Sucks for Santi. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not saying I was hoping for necessarily a win for him, but it, it would have been, it would have been a very big win for him if he got this man at 36 years old. There's just not a lot of time left, and most of his last few fights have been losses. I mean, and, and it's just how it is, and it gets ranked guys. I mean, Jeff Neal, Michelle Peck, and I guess Kevin Holland not, but was, it was ranked not too long ago before the Wonder Boy loss and uh, the the Leech fight as well because I think I don't think the Leech is ranked anymore but was ranked at one point. His two wins in recent time have been to younger guys and look they were good performances in the own right in different ways and they go by as an Alex Morono but it's been tough since his return man I get it. Yeah man well I mean this is a win that he very badly needed. I mean, two losses in a row, and ultimately, I mean, Kevin Holland's a guy that's going to have the job in the UFC as long as he wants it. He is the ultimate, he's going to be the action fighter for a generation of MMA fans. You know what I mean? Like, we like we had a couple of those guys whenever we first got in that helped them stay in the sport. Guys like Kevin Holland, they're not championship-level guys, but they serve, like, a very important focus. Um... So, but even then, I mean, two losses in a row, both by stoppage. He did have his back kind of against the wall heading into this one. Gets a huge win, man. And uh, if he can stay consistent, I still do think he can be a problem at 170 pounds. 
I mean, I think if you, I mean, his only loss at 170 was Hamzat on a day's notice and Wonder Boy whenever he made a handshake deal with Wonder Boy to stand on the feet. And it's just, that was a horrendous decision making. But, um, you know, outside of that, I still think he does pose some interesting stylistic problems um, for a lot of guys in that division. So big win for him here. Very excited to see it. And, dude, we got to talk about the, the opening fight, dude. Raul Rosas Jr. Wow. Um, yeah, coming up short, man. I mean, this kid had a lot of hype. We knew this was a possibility. We knew Christian Rodriguez was by far the greatest fighter he's faced. Um, but even then, you know, even then we didn't have too much, I don't want to say too much tape, but we weren't really sure of Christian Rodriguez's level either because he's also another young guy. But we learned his level, and apparently it's substantially higher than Raul Rosas Jr., man. It, uh, Brown only took him down, but he was not able to do much. Um, he went for a couple sub-attempts, but he didn't have much in ground and pound, and he just ended up getting gassed and kind of taking a beating down, and especially during the third round. What do you think about the loss, man? Ultimately, it's his first career. He'll be back. He'll be fine, but... Ultimately, suffering the first beat of his career. I mean, for one, we do got to give Raul a little bit of credit in that first round because he was—he had some pretty decent sub attempts in there, some decent stuff. The only thing is, he overcommitted to a lot of them rather than trying to control. Maybe a little bit, you know, little bunny punches here and there to, to win the round. Maybe throw some sub attempts, but not fully committing to them and blowing up your arms and committing to every takedown you have. I mean, there there was a lot of mistakes made on his end too, you know. Yeah, but there was a lot of things he did uh, well as far as getting actually getting the takedown, staying on him for the whole round, I believe. Because, I mean, it was a one round he won. I don't think ever, anybody gave Christian Rodriguez every round, right? Mm-hmm. No, I think, yeah, no, it was 29-28, and I think 29-27. So one judge gave him a 10-8. And, yeah, uh, every, yeah, every judge gave him uh, Rosa Stewart the first round. Excuse me, go ahead. And and I and I talked about it in the preview. I was like, I watched some of Christian Rodriguez fight. I watched this fight against Jonathan Pierce, but like I said, it was up a weight class. Jonathan Pierce is a very talented individual, as we've seen now, who has a lot of potential, who's gonna be fighting Bryce Mitchell soon. And I said, look, if he can replicate some of the stuff Jonathan Pierce did in wrestling, controlling Christian Rodriguez, but even then Christian Rodriguez had his moments where he was able to get out of some of those positions, defend submissions, and not get taken out of there. And was able to do some stuff against Jonathan Pierce, who was up a weight class, you know, in short notice, I believe. He, who knows? Maybe there's a possibility that Raul could get some stuff done here. And I thought maybe maybe Raul does have that ceiling. Maybe he is that guy right now. Who knows? Um, and you know, credit to Christian Rodriguez, he did what he had to do. He fought a smart fight. He did what he had to, what he needed to do. Survive, you know, making it through that first round, not necessarily surviving it, but it's he learning what how Raul felt, how strong Raul was. And he noted, and then obviously being a veteran, being like, okay, this could wear himself out. I got this fight from here. I know what I need to do. And uh, he did what he needed to do, and he got that victory. For Raul, man, I got to give him credit, though. He stayed in there. He was tough. He took some punishment. He was tired. And this is a big learning lesson, and that's what it's about, man. When you're a confident 18, you know, 18, 19-year-old, and you feel like you're invincible, you feel like you're on top of the world, especially in combat, man, when you're winning. You don't think anybody can touch you. And I'm sure how that he felt. This is one of the I'll, – I'll say this right now. As a young individual, this is one of the greatest things that could have happened to him right now. Because if he kept winning, Josh, and they gave him another, and they gave him another fight, and it was, mm-hmm. and he was a tougher opponent than Christian Rodriguez, we could have seen Raul Rosas get seriously hurt. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, I'm not, obviously, ideally, in, in a dream world, he went, he would have won this fight. He would have continued. He would have kept growing, right? And maybe he would have thought bigger than what he actually was. I think this was, this can only help him become better, and that's good. Um, well, the, I think. Very indicative of what his career will look by will look like going forward will be his next fight. You know how they mm-hmm. how they 
Because I feel like they really, the UFC needs to take a back, take a step back and realize, okay, we got an 18 year old kid who's not fully developed yet as into his male adult body. He's still learning on the job, but he has talent, he has skills, he, he wants this really badly. Let's see what he can, uh, let's, let's try to help, help him out in the sense of like not set him up in easy fights because that's not our objective, but give him competitive fights that will be hard, be entertaining, and will help him grow as well. Even though that's not necessarily the aim of the UFC developing fighters because they're not a fighter development focused league. They're a lead. They're trying to build world champions and entertainers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing about Raul Russell Jr. and uh, it's a good thing that he didn't fight anybody better um, than Christian Rodriguez because he would have got really hurt. But I think this is probably my biggest thing right now is he should have never even. I I mean, look, I never thought this kid should have been in the UFC as young as he is. Anyway, I've been very kind of iffy on that whole thing even being the reality of the situation. Because whenever you're 18 years old, dude, like, you don't even... I mean, there are people who listen is probably 18 right now, and I'm going to tell you, like, dude, like, I guarantee you, you probably think you know what's going on. You don't. You know a fucking thing. You know Because <laughs> I'm, tw- I'm only 21, dog. I'm about to be 22 in a couple months, and I, and I can tell you, I've learned significantly more um, since I've been 18. And Robert Ross, a stranger man, he didn't know what he didn't know, but now he knows, okay? Because um, Christian Rodriguez went out there, and he put it on him, man. And I think I think Raul will be back, and I think a lot of people kind of um, – I think it's a, a little bit dumb, a lot of people that are kind of like Getting off, almost you know. relishing in this kid's loss. I'm like, he's fucking 18. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – Yeah, what'd you expect? He might be a little bit annoying and a bit overconfident and yada, 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 but at the same time, he's 18, dog. Like, what'd you expect, man? Like – Blame Dana for putting him there. Do you uh, think that they should have gave him a, de- a developmental kind of contract like they did with Chase Hooper? I think they should have done that. I think they should have. I think, I mean, they should have just done the Greg Hardy strategy, which I know sounds weird because Greg Hardy, different situations, right? I think he'd only had one pro fight. Raul had five, I think, when he came, when he was on Contender Series. I By that, I mean, him. yeah, just three regional fights, maybe two fights on the Contender Series, maybe one in a regional facility, but like, more fights outside the UFC, because whenever you're in the UFC, dog, like, you're fighting the best of the best. And, um, I mean, unless you're like Colby Covington, and you can avoid it, you know what I mean? Like, unless you're like a fighter who's <laughs> of a, and I'm not even being that be, to be mean to Colby. No, Actually, no, there no, are, no. Yeah, there are guys that are of a high enough stature and star power to where they can just avoid fights. It just is. Raul Rosas Jr. is not in that position yet. He can't avoid fights, and uh, he's gonna. He, I mean, for his sake, I hope they take it back. I hope. I hope that they give him a um, someone more around his own actual skill level next. I think that'd be pretty good. You know, you would you like like a Brady High Stand fight? I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Brady. I think there there are a lot of guys around that kind of area. You know, but also he's got to figure out more than just this because he said he might go down to flyweight too. Which, I mean, fuck, I mean, flyweight could be a good option, too, because of the way his body is now. But the thing is, dude, you do have a lot of older flyweights. There's not that many younger or maybe flyweights who are necessarily on the way out. You know what I mean? Because the UFC has already gotten rid of them, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't – I mean, are, do you do you really think Tyson Nam versus uh, Ralph Rose? I watched the shit out of that fight. <laughs> well, because you know what the result could be, Josh. That's why – I know, I know. Um, 
No, he's probably about time to move on, man. But I do I mean, think this is there. Yeah. There is options with them. It's just whether or not they decide to take him or not. And I feel like they should. They should really talk to him because he has a lot of potential. He has fans behind him. He has people supporting him, and he has some interest. Keep it. Why would you ever want to lose that, especially when he's so young, and not a system, especially with all the capabilities you guys have of being able to assist anybody in the UFC if you want. If they want it, they'll do it. It's just whether or not they'll actually do it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see if they do, you know. But I don't have much optimism for the UFC managing a prospect's career well. Because um, it's not that kind of league, like we like we both stated. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I mentioned earlier, there's been a couple of Roy Jones-esque, you almost forgot performances. One of those, Kelvin Gaslam defeating Chris Curtis. Very close fight, though. 29-28, 29-28, 30-27 from Stevie Wonder at the desk. But... um <laughs> That last judge, don't know what the fuck they were watching. But, yeah, I mean, what do you think about Gaston picking up the win here? He really, we talk about guys who needed a win. I mean, god damn, dude. Look at his recent record. It's just been, been rough, man. But what do you think? I mean, no. I mean, we, we talked about in the show where, like, he needs a bad. It's not, it's kind of looking like, uh, at least getting close to a cut. If not, they're going to give him a fair bit. They're going to give him at least the Sam LV treatment, hopefully. Regardless, though. Tough one for Chris Curtis. I know he was really upset about it. Upset with, I'd say, to an extent, with more or less with the whole fight situation, not necessarily with himself. Obviously, there was that headbutt. I guess his head butting into him, into Kelvin Moore, that, I, I guess, like, I fucked him over in the optics, as he said. But that's just how it goes, man. It's just, I think it was just a frustrating situation for him because he felt like he could have won that fight if that didn't happen. And, yeah, that potentially could have been the, the outcome. I completely understand where he's coming from. I get his frustration. Um just unfortunate for him. Obviously, he's trying to, you know, being a little, uh, kind of being an older guy in this division, uh, being able to be in the rankings and him being an active guy and especially fun to watch. I mean, this was fight of the night. A lot of people were saying fight of the year contender. I mean, I'd say there's not a lot of options. Not to say this isn't a good one, but I, I enjoyed it. I get it. I understand the pick. Uh, like I said, we, I mean, we still got a lot of time left in the year. So, you know, there, there could potentially be more. But, uh, regardless, I mean, for Kelvin, nice and big. The only issue is he's in the, he's ranked a fighter. All his fights should be difficult. So I, I just, I mean, hopefully he can pick another one up to keep it going, man. Cause we, he doesn't want to be out of here. You know, I get it. And he's young. He's only like, what, 30 years old? 31? I mean. Yeah. He's, he's really young. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he has a heck of a time left in his, in, in his, uh, in his career. And, uh, he's a guy we, we don't want to see gone. I even saw Izzy ran into him, gave him some little love being like, Oh shit. You know, I didn't. You're fighting? I didn't know that, which is kind of like, damn, that kind of stung a little bit, you know? But, oh, man. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But, but, uh. sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Great like, thing. it's like, dude, that's like seeing your, like, fucking high school buddy who ain't even seen in, like, 10 years, and you're driving the Bentley, and he works at fucking, I'm not gonna say any job, it'd be kind of, but he fucking, you know what I mean? Like, he, he works at McDonald's. This. No hate. <laughs> yeah, like, he fucking, you know. <laughs> Something like that. I know you're trying to offend people, but I just give it a yeah, go. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it, it is what it is, man. That's just how life goes. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, hey, as far as, but hey, though, as far as the win goes, dude, couldn't be happier. I mean, also, I couldn't be sadder, too, though, because I'm a big Chris Curtis guy, big action man fan, and I thought, you know, this fight was really close, man, and fuck. Because, you know, that was probably it, dude. That was probably it, Angel. I mean, unless he takes some fight on short notice and beats someone. Yeah, I mean, Josh, I mean, I mean, what he really has to do, Josh, is, is, uh, do something very harsh and, and sack, you know, something that could really hurt him. And 
He needs to fight his friend, Sean Strickland. No, don't do that. Let's ruin friends. Don't do that, Angel. Come on. Get, don't do that to the boys. You know something? They need to do it, man. They need to do it. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not being super serious about it, but damn, oh, that'd be, could you imagine that press conference? What do you, what, what, no, no, no. You should get fucking, <laughs> you should, Chris Curtis versus Alex Bahia. Alex is free right now. Angel, you, I know you texted him that one time. What did he say whenever you asked him about that fight? It was the, <laughs> that conversation was private, Josh, and never made private. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we won't talk about it, but, um, yeah, but. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't know if you'd bother putting this on. I mean, I don't, we should try to get him on the show sometime. I don't know if he would do it or not. Yeah, I mean, you just shoot him, just shoot him a DM, you know, it'll be fine. I'll be, I'll be I, we should, we, I should, I should, we should ask more people, like, consistently. I, I, like, I, 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 I DM'd him after, after the loss, because I, I felt bad for the guy, you know? Uh, what, did he respond? Uh, I don't know if, I don't think he did. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was very early on. You guys aren't close like that, huh? No, I mean. I mean, you and Connor, though. You and Connor type, though. I mean, Connor, Connor left me on red, which. Oh, he, oh, okay. Alright. Well, completely understandable. I get it. I mean, I, it's okay. I just, I just won't buy any more proper 12. Yeah, right. but, no more proper 12, but regardless. Regardless, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up on the on the prelims, man. Um, what do you think about this decision? Luana Panero defeating Michelle Watson by split. What do you think? You know something. I was in out of this fight, and I'm, I'm happy you just brought it up because I was going to mention this to you. I I in the like I was kind of, it was one of those fights that I was going back and forth on. I thought Michelle won, and then I kind of I turn around and I'm like Panero won. I mean I thought look on my on my I did a bet and I did a I did multiple bets that night and I picked her to win, so I wasn't necessarily upset, but I was thrown off at the fact that she had won. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit, I was playing a little bit of Call of Duty at the time. I wasn't entirely focused on the prelims. Um, but I remember thinking Michelle Watterson deserved the nod, so I was kind of surprised. Now, I looked at the MMA decisions, in case anybody's curious, the MMA decisions, most people had Michelle Watterson winning this fight. Like, there, there the vast was, majority. There, were, there, so. was a, uh, there was a little handful that did pick Venera, though. There so was, was a vocal minority, yes. Yes, yeah, so it, wasn't, it wasn't that crazy. No, but uh, yeah, definitely an interesting one there. Joe Piper, dude. Everybody loves Joe Piper. <laughs> Everybody loves Joe Piper. Come on. Even I like Joe Piper, you know? Another, another one. Yeah. Go ahead, man. I know. I was going to say, just another finish. Yeah, man. I mean, this kid, I don't know. I'm, admittedly, I wasn't sure what Dana White saw on him. But I remember whenever he signed him, he, he really hyped him up. He made a couple of posts on Instagram about him and about how good he is as his future. I was never on board, but, like, yeah, I get it now. Like, this dude is, this dude is legit. Because go out there and... Just run through Gerald Mearshar like that. I mean, I mean, really? Josh, who was, who was the last yeah. guy to do that though? Hamza Chamaev with one punch. Exactly. Now, granted, Piper he a couple more than one, but you know, uh, hey man, nothing wrong. Didn't with need that. too many. Man, yeah. I, I was sad to see him there because he comes out of uh, comes out of well, I don't yeah, fighting out of Pennsylvania. Sean Brady was there with him in the corner. At least I saw him there at weigh-ins with him, and I was like, oh dude, that fucking gym builds some killers. And uh, I was I was fucking I was like okay and I've I've had some interest in him. I remember at the time when they were doing I was doing a contender series. I tried to keep up the best I could with it because I always love seeing those guys kind of make a transition over and seeing if, like what they're going to turn into. Obviously, we've had some good guys come out of that in recent time, like Joe Piper, like Halton Almeida, who's been very active. Guys with hype like Raul Rosa Jr. and uh, Manu Gutierrez, who he fought on that night on that night, who was who came back to Telf, which I mean we don't know how his success been on Telf or if he's had any success. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of nice to see another guy kind of keep it going, especially a 185 or especially in this division where we need some names, some guys bringing some attention and bringing a, 
you know, a little bit of pizzazz to it, and, and let alone not not to kind of get a super uh, national prideful out here, but an American, you know, because there's not a lot of American right now, guys, in the UFC who are fucking killing it, you know? Yeah, there's not. But, yeah, man, overall, hell of a win by him. Um, another split decision. Lupita Godinez defeating Cynthia Calvillo. Thoughts on that one? Cynthia Calvillo, that's probably going to be it for her in the UFC, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I would pick, I think, same again, I picked Lupita on this one to get the decision over her. I had her on my, uh, <laughs> had her once again on my picks. As you can tell I've been on that little bet grind. But yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was an alright fight. Nothing crazy. Tough chick is, I mean, Lupita's super tough, man. A dog in her. I think a lot of people have, at least the ones who have seen her who do watch, cause there's a lot of people out there who, they see a women's fight on and they like turn it off or pay less attention to it. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. At times, I've done the same thing, but not 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 because they're women. Just I don't know. I just for some reason, uh, they always put them in a in a shitty spot. They're at a, right at the at the at the card, right after like a really good finish or between a good finish. Like they always are, and they, like they don't put them. I feel like women always don't get the best card placement. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, that's that's a part of it. I also just think that, and this is. You know, I people are gonna call uh, people might get mad at what I'm gonna say. When I say I'm like sexist, but like, dude, like, I I support women's MMA. Like, I fucking I went out there and covered Invicta for like three years. Like, I just didn't miss an event, and I still cover them regularly now. Like, I still yeah. watch them and support them, all that stuff. The harsh reality of why women's MMA is so much worse. A lot of people are just attributed like, oh, you know, women are weaker and yada yada yada. It's like, nah, it's just dude, like, women just haven't been. They have not been provided the same opportunities in the same way. You know what I mean? Like women's only women have been in the UFC for ten years, less than ten years now. Mm-hmm. Like we're if we're not at ten years, we're you know we're close, but it, it hasn't been long. Like the men have like a twenty year jump on them, twenty five. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and the sport is only like 35, 40 years old. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like fighting's been around forever, but like as far as MMA is like an organized sport, yeah, roughly thirty. You know? Yeah. So women just haven't had the same time to evolve in the same way the men have. At some point, you'll have more women like Amanda Nunes who are just badass and go out there and, like, I say this as a compliment, punch like a dude, like, punch like a guy. Like, that's, like, ridiculous power. Like, you're going to see more and more of that just because, like, the training is better. Women, like, our bodies are different. Like, they have to fine-tune. Like, the trainers and shit, like, uh, what is it, a nutritionist that female fighters work with, things are done differently. Like, yeah, women, like women to talk about how like cutting weight really sucks if you're on your fucking period, dude. Like, like there's just different stuff that like you know you or I would not have to deal with in a hypothetical situation. So uh, yeah, I mean it's not sexism. That's just just a reality. That's just how, yeah, that's just how it is. You know. But that being said, dude, Cynthia Calvillo, that's probably it. Makes me really sad. I'm a big. I've always been a big Calvillo fan. I've always thought she's pretty fun. Um, and I, if you were not there for her hype train, like 2017, probably one of the weirdest ones. Cause like the UFC was pushing her really hard. I remember whenever they had, um, they had that like sports, was it body armor? When they, they had this big comp press conference where they had like body, they were announcing that body armor was the official sponsor of the UFC. And they had her, Francis Ngannou, <laughs> and somebody else who was like, who would turn out to be really, it might have even been like Kamaru Eastman or something. It was somebody who was like pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And they were hyping them all up, and it was kind of like, these are three future stars, right? And it just did not work out for Calvillo, dude. Like, she got close, 
you know, in 2020 when she moved down to 125, she beat Chukagin. She probably would have got a title shot. But after that, you know, she got wrecked by Andrade. She lost to Andrea Lee. She lost a split decision to Nina Nunez, and she lost another split down at Strawweight. It's just, but yeah. And I like Lupita Gudinez, dude, but she's not even ranked. I mean, there's just that's that's tough, man. But you gotta tough. give it, you gotta give it to her. 2017 with Cynthia Calvillo's dude. She fought five times in that year or something like that, four or five times. She ended that year trying to full well, not trying fought Collier Spaza, didn't get the nod on that one. That, that fight was fun too, you know. And and that's just how it was. And she took out some notable names now, you know. Pearl Gonzalez. I mean, you know, she she's a name in the sense of the sport, right? Joanne Wood. But sadly, she just just didn't grow much out of that, man. That's just how it goes. That is how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it happens. But I mean, final thoughts on UFC 287. I mean, obviously, there Steve, Steve Garcia also picked up a win, but uh, overall, man, fun card. Any closing thoughts before we go ahead and move on it, to a UFC case? It was fun card. I mean, I know we almost pretty much highlighted everybody except the two remaining two remaining fights. So I just want to I want to give a quick shout out to Nasir Bahamondes, long time uh, layoff man. I know there was I believe some visa issues there. Man, did we miss this kid? Beautiful performance by him over Trey Ogden. Can't wait to see him again, especially at one eighty five. Uh, obviously, catch weight to make things work. Obviously, a last minute change with opponents. I think he was, he was supposed to fight Nicholas Mota before, but that's just how it goes, man. Uh, so hopefully, we see him again soon. Mm-hmm. For sure, man, for sure. And overall, banger card, man. I I really didn't feel like there was that much hype going into the card. But then on fight night, I, I saw that. I saw it everywhere, dude. Yeah, it paid, it, you know, it paid off. It did. But anyways, dude, we're moving on because we got UCKC this Saturday night from the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Angel, it's happening in our backyard, my friend. Right. Uh, we will be up in, you know, if anybody wants to be in the upper, yeah, the upper seats, we'll probably be up there getting hammered. So, <laughs> uh, but anyways, man, yeah, very excited for this one. First time the USU will be back since April 2017. Angel, we were there at that one whenever Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson defeated Wilson Hayes, the goat. And by the way, dude, I mean, that fucking card. Now that we're looking back, now that I'm looking back at it right now, dude, holy shit. I do, and I'm like, I did not appreciate this enough in the moment. I appreciated it in the moment because I was so, I, I was so hype. But at the same time, though, I don't know if I appreciated it as much as I should have. I mean, fuck, dude. Main event: Demetrius Johnson, Rose Namajunas versus Michelle Washington Coleman, Whitaker versus Jacare, Hanada Moicano versus Jeremy Stevens, Volkov versus Roy Nelson, Bobby Green on the undercard, Tim Elliott on the undercard, Aljamain Sterling, Devin Clark, Anthony Smith. Caitlin Vieira, I mean, this is a stacked fight night card, dude. And now, and now we compare it to this weekend. We've got. I mean, it's so pretty. It's it's fun card, all right. It's pretty. It's pretty thick, dude. It's not as stacked, but it's fun. You know what I mean? It's pretty fun. Uh, but let's just go ahead and hit it off on the main event, dude. Uh, Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. Max Holloway been out of action for oh, not over a year, almost almost a year, excuse me, since his uh, decision to defeat Alexander Volkanovski in their trilogy fight. Meanwhile, Arnold Allen, the almighty, coming on here on a 12-fight winning streak. Some big wins in there. Dan Hooker, Calvin Cater, Gilbert Melendez, and Yusuf. A lot of wins, man. He's on, a, he's on the best run of his career. Do you think he'll be able to get it done? Obviously, he's fighting in Max Holloway's adopted hometown of Kansas City. So <laughs> let's go, champ! Let's go, champ! Exactly. What do you think, man? Look, I, you know, obviously, I'm kind of hyping it up there a little bit and everything, but um, 
I think this fight is going to really tell us where Max is at this point in his career, right? Because he's having this guy who's a fucking dog, 19-1 from England, hungry, wants it bad. And uh, got his first ever, you know, got his first finish in, in a while in the UFC. Granted, though, I will say, and I need to, and I'm going to mention this because it does come with some stuff in it. Uh, and I'm, going, I'm referring to Dan Hooker one because the Calvin Cater one was an injury, but granted, he also caused that damage. I mentioned that before on the on the podcast. Like, I'm not going to describe him that win. Shit happens. Like I said, he contributed to it as well. And, and the Dan Hooker experiment at 145, I was already not a fan of, and I and I did think if there was a fight that. Arnold Allen was finally going to get his finish in the UFC in, because uh, he did have his choke like very early on in his career against Mads Brunel, uh, and a few, a few of them, I, I don't know. But regardless, he hadn't gotten one in a while, and that was like a big thing a lot of people were mentioning. It was going to be against Dan Hooker, and that's who it was against. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to see, this, uh, this big, like I'm saying, this is a big fight for Max. How much is still left in there? How much is still left at 145? Are you going to get back to that, potentially to that championship caliber? Uh, because we really, I mean, we haven't really seen him fight anybody outside of Volk in a while, man. And obviously the Yair fight, which we saw, which was good, but we saw that he kind of turned to, you know, grappling more in that fight uh, because Yair had beat up the legs a bit, was throwing a lot of combinations, making it very, being very proactive and throwing a lot out there to Q Max, kind of like thinking, like, oh, shit, leg kick, oh, coming up with the coming up with the hands or whatever, right? I'm I'm gonna pick Max Holloway, man. I I, I still think he has it. I think he could do it. I think. He's going to beat Arnold Allen. I don't think Arnold Allen has better hands than Max. He might have a little bit more pop to his shot, but I don't think he has the kind of accuracy that Max has. I don't think he has the combination that Max has on the feet. If it does go to the ground, Max Holloway has great takedown defense. Can even can Arnold Allen even get it to the ground? Obviously, he has some grappling capabilities. We've seen it already on his career, how he's gotten some submission wins. Can he do it again? And look, he's evolving. He's growing as a fighter. He could change. He, everything could change. And on fight night, he he might look. Uh, he might show us some new stuff we haven't seen before, and he can do it. But I'm gonna go with the best is blessed, Max Holloway, baby. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. Yeah, same page here. I mean, I think we haven't seen him fight um, anybody besides Alexander Volkanovski in a long time. I think this fight could be one of those. You know, you forgot how good Max Holloway is because I think a lot of people were talking about him after July. People were saying that he was washed and. You know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but then we saw Volk fight Islam. And we're like, oh, he's just actually that fucking good. Well, I mean, I said he, I said that it was kind of dumb to say that he was washed at the time, too, anyway. But um, I've never understood what people try to, like, prescribe these guys. Just, like, they're trying to, like, just fucking, you know, make the grave already, you know? Um, so we don't know. But I think if Max Holloway is still at the same level that he was before that trilogy fight, I think he'll beat Arnold Allen. I think that he's on the feet. I think that's probably where this fight's going to stay. And I think that he's the more accurate guy. I think that he has more activity. He has more experience in five-round main events. He has more experience when it comes to the pressure. you got to think about Arnold Allen. Most of his run, not most of his run, that's not that's not a fair thing to say. A lot of his fights he had in COVID. You know, Calicator, UFC Apex, you know. Um, Sadiq Yusuf, UC Apex, you know what I mean? Like, there, there, there was a couple of his fights during his run, where now it's like, okay, dog, not only are you doing that, but you're being thrown into the fire, man. You were thrown into Max Holloway, you know, in a main event, on ESPN. You've never been to this level. I just think, I think Max Holloway's going to get it done. I just think he has experience, le- experience edge. I think he's got a lot going for him, so I'm going to go and take him. But... 
I think it's going to be a fun fight. And uh, the co-main event is a banger, dude. I mean, these guys are not – they're not going to be fighting for a title anytime soon. But they're going to go out there and fucking kill each other. Because you've got Billy Q taking on Edson Barboza, dude. Whew. What do you think about this one? It's a fun fight, man. It's another it's another banger fight. I mean, they they put up Billy Q against guys who are fucking dogs, man. Alexander Hernandez, Shane Burgos, Gary Benitez, Gavin Tucker, guys who bring the fucking fight, you know? And I think with a guy like Edson Barbosa, who, I mean, a lot of a lot of people, like, have him as one of their favorite fighters or one of their favorite fighters to watch because this guy's a fucking unit on the feet, man. Some of the best leg kicks you've ever seen in the promotion or even in MMA in general. And, uh... I mean, one of the, one of the, you know, I don't want to say all time greats, but one of the, one of the best guys we've ever seen, you know? And at moments in, in his career, one of the, you know, during, at least for some periods of time, a very highly ranked guy. Obviously, he's a little older, made some weight changes, had some losses, split decision here, split decision loss here, finish loss there. I mean, look, I know he's coming off two losses, Giga. Bryce Mitchell, he got, you know, he got wrestled in one, finishes the other one, but he tried to stand with the guy whose whole life has been kickboxing. But look, he, he beat, he beat Shane Burgos, he beat Maquan Americani. Billy Q is good, man, but I don't think Billy Q is better than Edson Barbosa on the feet, and I think that's where Billy Q is going to try to keep this fight as well. Yes, I think so too. I think the fight's going to stay on the feet. On the feet, you know, I've been really, I gotta be honest, I've gone back and forth about this one a lot. Um, Edson Barboza, man, he has taken so much damage. I mean, he's 37 now. He's down at featherweight. I just don't think he can take the damage the same way that he used to. Um, and I, I think maybe weight cutting is playing a role, too, because no, you don't see guys too often all of a sudden late into their career move down in weight. Really, the only guys I can think of is probably just Barboza and Frankie Edgar. And we saw how Frankie kind of went. And Edson's kind of, he's taking a lot of punishment too, down to 145, man. So I'm going to go ahead and take Billy Q um, to go ahead and pick up the win here. As far as the rest of the card goes, man, uh, it's not a pay-per-view, obviously, so you're not going to have any huge names. But look, man, it's got some fun fights. Which ones are you most looking forward to? I mean, look, I feel like there's a lot of good options on this card. And there's some underrated guys on here and some even ranked guys that you don't necessarily think about. Kind of like I talked about a little bit earlier. Dustin Jacoby, man, taking Osmot Mirzikhanov. That's actually really good. Guy who coming off the Contender Series. Um, I saw his fight back in 2021. And ever since then, man, he's fucking killed it. Some sick finishes flying me over to Funichiwuki. Ground and pound finish over Devin Clark. All sick as well. Uh, this finish on the contender series was sick as well. If you guys ever want to watch that against Matias Scheffel, uh, who's now in the PFL kind of doing his own thing. Uh, and Dustin Jacoby, obviously American kickboxer, one of the kind of, uh, I guess in recent time, probably one of the better known American kickboxers, I, I guess I'd say. And, um, uh, took on some guys in his day. And look, at the start of his MMA career, things, you know, he had a few losses here, a few losses there. Had a few losses in kickboxing as well. Was looking a bit rough. He makes the full transition to MMA and has been on win streak ever since coming off the contender series, man. Uh, got a split over Khalil Rountree, which I believe at the time, and I think now, I don't remember off the top, off the top of my head, I believe he should have won. Regardless though, he's 35 years old. I mean, there's not a crazy amount of time left on the tank. They gave him a pretty, they gave him a decent challenger, I think. I don't think this is necessarily the fight they should have gave them to gave to him. I think they should have given him a different opponent who was in their rankings higher than this badass Russian dude who's coming off of multiple finishes. But hey, man, uh, Justin Shkobi's been around for a while. He's been around the game. He's been in the fight game a while. I think he knows what he's going to do. Also, Josh, one of our personal favorites, one of our 
post, I guess, like, still during COVID time, favorite fighters, Tanner Bozer, who was seemingly oh. fighting every few months, uh, every few months, is coming back at 205. So I'm curious to see how this, this weight change can be for him, because he's got some fast hands, man. That's one thing I always complimented him when he was that heavyweight. He had fast hands, fast combinations. And I wonder if he's going to be even faster at 205. Obviously, he's going to have to make a weight cut now, rather than kind of just show up. And that's how it go. And one of our favorite underappreciated guys who's on the comeback, Chris Gutierrez taking on Pedro Munoz. Um, just this is this guy you got to keep an eye out for, guys. He's not getting enough attention, and uh, hopefully after this main card he gets some love, and hopefully he can get some uh, some love this uh, this coming weekend. Clay Guida, Rafa Garcia, a fight I never thought about, and I didn't even think about those names that were being against each other, but I'm personally excited for. Uh, Brandon Robel, Matias Nicolau, t- potential title implications on that, or at least closing in on them, maybe potential second position after Pantoja. I don't know. And, and I'll let you name off a few, Josh. I kind of went off. I kind of named a lot of the major ones, but maybe you'll find some other people in here who might be underappreciated. Yeah, man. I mean, you got a couple, you got a couple of interesting fights. I agree with everything you said. Um, shout out Tanner Bozer. Obviously a big fan of that guy. Pedro Munoz, Chris Gutierrez, like you mentioned. Clay Guida, the, the Hall of Famer, 41 years old. Making the walk once again, man. Clay Guida, a guy that um, it's kind of weird to me that like we we talk about like everybody talks about like I guess it's because he's better. I guess at this at this stage of his career, I guess. Um, but everybody talks about Jim Miller, man. Like Clay Guida is like three years older than the guy, and he's still fighting at like a moderately high level. I mean, he beat Scott Holtzman last time in December. Like he's staying active too. Like he fought three times in 2021, two times in 2022. It's April. He's trying to get in here early. He's an interesting guy, dude. Like honestly, like you don't really think about him. Clay Guida, you mean 41 years old, still sticking around. Like I don't know how long he'll fight, but like you know, if you would ask me whenever I started watching, like, hey Josh, you think Clay Guida's going to be around in 2023? I'd be like, fucking no way, dude, you know? Um, that being said, other fights to watch on the card, man. I mean, we got Zach Cummins versus Ed Herman, another guy, Ed Herman, 42 years old, short fuse, still trying to get in the UFC video game. Um, been in the UFC since 2006. I believe he is the longest tenured member of the UFC. Oh, probably. No. Yeah, he should. Yeah, he is. He has the longest tenured run in the UFC. From June 2006 until now. I was going to say Nick Diaz, but I guess that'd be – he had his uh, tenure interrupted a couple times. Uh, yeah, man. Also, Jillian Robertson on the undercard. Shout out her. It's a pretty fun card, man. I mean, like I said, it's ultimately – it's not a pay-per-view. It's not the biggest of cards. I mean, they're not fucking – I mean, it's, it's a Kansas fight night, man. What do you expect? So, it is fun, though, for what it is. Um, any closing thoughts on this before we go ahead and move on to the news and kind of close out? Like I always say, man, it's not necessarily heavy stack, but there's there's people who are young in their career who are coming up, and there's some established names, and there who've been around and some vets, and it's interesting. Uh, I do want to highlight one last fighter on here, Josh, who is completely forgotten. I don't even know if you'll remember who it is or even know where them. Gaston Bolanos, Bolanos, Peruvian, I think Muay Thai fighter. Uh, this guy, man, had a very long Muay Thai career. I think he was Muay Thai champion. Uh, in South America for a very long time. Joe Rogan had him on his podcast. If you ever want to, li- I'll tell you what episode that is, Josh, if you ever want to listen to kind of find mm-hmm. out more about. But he started off his career in Bellator. He had two losses back in 20, it was, uh, 2019 and then leading to 2020, a split and a guillotine choke. So young in his MMA career, he's trying to make the transition, but he's a guy who had some untapped potential in there who was kind of like, man, what's, what, what's his ceiling? And he did start off his Bellator career 
with a loss as well, but he got like four wins in between. And he fought as as a early as last year, Josh, on, in, in 2022 with the Bellator at Bellator 277. So he's going to make his return now to the UFC. I mean, kind of unexpected. I know he's not necessarily someone who doesn't, maybe a lot of people don't know about, but I kind of want to highlight him because I saw some other people mentioning him and I'm like, this could be kind of an interesting guy to check out. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, man. Yeah, I mean, that ultimately is what these fight night cards kind of serve its purpose of is having these young guys giving them the chance. And I think that's something that we just kind of got to, I guess something we just got to get used to, um, at least in the modern era of the UFC. But regardless, I do think it should be a fun card. Very excited for it. Let's go ahead and close out with some news and go ahead and bounce out of here, man. Um, we talked about Amanda Nunes. We talked about how we haven't really known what she's been doing. Well, we have an answer, and it's a trilogy with Juliana Pena. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean to wait to wait almost a year. Do you see, you know, to, to have this entire division waiting for like a year? Because they fought back in July 2022. It's it's April 11th now, you know. Damn, dude. I mean, what do you think about this fight? I mean, ultimately, I think as far as, like, money-wise, this is the biggest fight they can make. And I'll still watch it because I think it is really funny watching Juliana Pena. Like, I'll admit it. I was never a big Juliana fan before this, but she I'm a big fan of her now. Like, it's really funny watching her get on Amanda Nunes' nerves. But, <laughs> I mean, as far as the actual fight goes, what do you think, man? I mean, look, uh, she gained some interest because she was able to finish her and beat her and make her tap i mean that's something that's unforgettable in my opinion the biggest ufc upset ever uh uh, people will always argue that i do not care i disagree with you but uh yeah i mean there was what other options does she really have obviously uh, raquel penalty was something that we talked about before but at least there's some sort of interest in this division at the time before raquel penalty got like another win or two in there what were the options, you know? And even then, is that really going to attract that many names? I think you're going to attract at least a few more names if you give Amanda Juliana than Raquel Pennington. And who knows? Maybe Juliana come back and does, quote-unquote, the impossible again and gives us another stellar performance and another finish, potentially. And no matter what, you know she's going to be there all five rounds. She's going to give us a good lead-up. And, I mean, she is a absolute sweetheart obviously awesome she's a mother she's a fighter she's very i think she could be very inspirational for people and very you know young ladies or guys you know it doesn't doesn't matter who if you're a guy or girl she can inspire anybody and i think she has at least now built up some interest where she is very marketable and can provide something for the ufc and herself at at that you know and she's i mean she was already doing that but even more now than what it was before Mm -hmm. yeah fair enough man fair enough um i think that this the UFC, I don't, I, okay, I'm not in, against the trilogy fight, like, I'll watch it, and of the options, it's like, I was kind of ambivalent to kind of what, like, what they were going to do regardless, like, I was kind of, I didn't really care, you know? Um, I do think that this is weird, because she hasn't, like, they just, Juliana Payne's been calling for the, the trilogy ever since their second fight, and now, like, almost a year later, you're finally giving it to her, it's just kind of weird, the timing with it and everything. Um, at the same time, though, the UFC, they got to figure something out because, like, they're, they're such a clear – because nobody gives a fuck about this division right now. Like, they really butchered this thing. Like, they butchered this division, dude. Like, they really have. To the point to where, like, whenever this Juliana Pena 3 fight is the only log- – not the only logical fight, but it's one of the few logical fights that makes sense. But, Angel, I know that we're kind of into it, but you saw the reaction online. Like, not a whole lot of people are into this. 
Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean, it definitely got memed on. I I posted one too. <laughs> but I think so, that's just you know. that's just the nature of that division, and I think kind of Amanda's dominance too, which hasn't assisted it much either. You know, that's just how it is. Um, what can you do about it? Well, here's what you can do about it. You got Holly Holm still exists, and Holly Holm I think is pro. I mean, fuck, man. You know, here's the here's the even bigger issue. Who are the two people that would probably get a title shot if it weren't for Juliana? I mean, probably Raquel Pennington, at, and then potentially at one point it could have been Caitlin Vieira and or Holly Holm. Okay, so Raquel Pennington's already lost to Holly Holm twice, and Holly Holm's already lost to Amanda Nunes. And Amanda Nunes has already beat Raquel Pennington, too. So even if – I was going to say, like, okay, well, they could match Holly and Raquel, but they've already – not only has Holly already beaten her, Holly's already beaten her twice. <laughs> so it doesn't even make any sense from any standpoint. I don't know what the UC is going to do. I mean, I think – I mean – You got to get some You got to get some more talent in that division, man. You got to bring you up – You do. You badly need it. You got to go find some young gals overseas in the States. I honestly think they need to sign like five new, five new gals into that division and, and get it going. You know what I mean? And yeah. See, I mean, cause like, okay, so who would you even match make? Like Holly Holm, everybody's in that division. That's the thing about the division, man. It's like, it's not even that. And I really fought Holly and she lost, right? Yeah. Like the welterweight, like it's not like the welterweight division, right? The welterweight division and nobody fights except for Gilbert Burns. You know what I mean? Like I'll just kind of hang out. Dude, it's closer to the middleweight division, Josh. Yeah, everybody's fighting, but it's just there's no clear contender. Yeah. So I guess that's – I mean, I'm fine with Juliana getting the shot, ultimately, at the end of the day, and good for her. And I think it'll be fun, and the build will be fun. Um, It is kind of funny, though. I don't know how many people notice this, but, like, okay, Angel, I want you to think right now. So what card did the UFC give Nunez Pena to? Like, do you remember the, what card that was? God. Out of curiosity. I won't no. blame if you don't – I won't blame you here. No. It UFC 277. That was that card happened like two weeks after UFC 276, which was, which was International Fight Week with Israel and Jared Kennedy and Max Holloway and Volkanovski. And then threw Nunez and Pena out on a pay-per-view with like, I mean, they have Moreno in the co-main, but like not a whole lot of big names outside of that. And then this time, again, like two weeks before, before International Fight Week this time, they're throwing Nunez out there on a pay-per-view with Canada that nobody cares about. You know what I mean? Like rough timing, man. Rough time for Amanda Nunes, but I think that's all we got to say about that one. Uh, next up, dude, you mentioned Hamzat Shemaev. Apparently, Hamzat is according to Chael Sonnen, so massive grain of salt. He said that Hamzat versus Paulo Costa is in the works for UC 294 in October. Is this the right matchup, man? I'm down. I mean, go big or go home. It's fun. I want it. Let's do it. Yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. I think... Uh, We've been talking about Hamzat so long. Like, Hamzat, he's been out of action since September. And even then, that fight didn't even really feel like it happened. So, <laughs> that that one with Kevin Holland. So, I mean, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think this matchup makes a whole lot of sense. Not a whole lot to say outside of that. But, lastly, PFL3. This is kind of our last topic of the day. Not going to spend too much time on it, but it's going down on Friday night. What do you think, man? A couple of, a couple of nice names on here. So, what do you think? I mean, I think the big thing is Shane Burgos, right? I mean, that's kind of the the big highlight of this card. Correct, mm-hmm. uh, his PFL debut against uh, Olivia Ibon-Mossier. Yeah, no, and uh, especially also debut at 155. How's he going to look? How's the transition going to be? Um, 
And there's some other people on this. Obviously, guys have been in the UFC that we had mentioned. Olivier Vin Mercier, Clay Collard. Uh, and, you know, some of the own PFL talent that's been grown, like Hash Montfio, Alex Martinez, which Hash Montfio, this man lives rent-free in my head because he stole two decision wins over guys that I thought won. But it's all good. Olivier Vin Mercier, Mercier came to my rescue, beat him for the title. So everything, or actually, I don't even know if that was for the title or not. I, I don't think it was. Regardless, though, he got that W and won. CB Ray coming back. Um, just a number of things. And obviously, they're having the heavyweights fight on this night. So I think they've done a great job kind of uh, establishing this card uh, and throwing in some of their own talent uh, that they've been, it's kind of grown through with the PFL. Um, and some new guys in there, too, like Naib Lo- Lopez, who's a guy who I've been kind of hearing about for a while now. Uh, Mexican fighter, 15-0, undefeated. Uh, guys who's a middleweight at that, 185, right? You don't see a lot of Mexican fighters who are fighting these upper weight classes who, you, uh, he fought a few, only twice in the Lux League, which is a bit, kind of a well-known league like, down there that's kind of gained a little bit of attention. And a lot of, uh, quite a few, at least a fair bit of Mexican fighters have fought through, through to get into, uh, or, try, or attempted to get into the UFC or other, you know, big promotions like the PFL or anything. So it's kind of cool to see, uh, Another another guy come out of there and see that they're kind of developing this talent and then coming into the PFL. Um, regardless, though, I think I think overall this card is a nice mixture of incoming new guys, UFC guys who, who were in the guys who were previously in the UFC, and kind of guys who've established themselves through the PFL overall. I agree, man. It's a nice card. It's it's a pretty fun one. I mean, it's not anything too crazy, but it, uh, it is pretty solid. And I'll go ahead and be watching. I mean, like you mentioned. Shane Burgos, Olivia Bonmoisier is by far the best fight on the card, in my opinion. Uh, but Clay Collard being back, I'm very excited about that. David Sawada. And then, uh, obviously, shout out Stevie Ray coming back. His daughter dealt with a, I believe, I don't know what, what medical issue it was, but she dealt with a very serious medical issue lately. And he did a GoFundMe and raised over $100,000 in like a day. Shout so, out, shout out everybody who put that out there and tweeted it and, and shared it and were able to assist them because, fuck, man, that's scary. You know, that's a scary situation to be in. And obviously, in a, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the medical issue was off the top of my head. I remember at the time I went on it, looked at it, and and read some of it and saw And, dude, you know something? Shouts to PFL. WPFL moved. They, they donated some money to the fund to assist them. I thought that was something... I mean, that was, that was real as fuck. I mean, I, I'm sure if there was anything like that for the UFC, I'm sure Data or someone would do something like that for the people too. Mm-hmm. I would hope so, I would imagine. But, dude, but the PFL, actually, I looked it up right now. The PFL donated 15,000 pounds. Actually, Dana donated wow. too. I just saw this. Dana donated $10,000. 10,000 pounds. So, Patty donated 1,000. I'm actually looking at it here. I've seen some of the, Shane Burgers donated 1,000. Uh, you know, no one had to do this. Kayla Harris, actually I'm looking at here, did Kayla Harrison did it too? There was a few people, or Senko, God. So it was, it was nice to see the community of people kind of coming together and fighters and gyms and just people, just general fans, putting some of their money to assist someone and help them out because, I mean shit dude, there's a lot of times that you don't see stuff like this, you know, where people come together and especially I don't know. It, it was just something amazing to see. I know it's kind of uh, it's been a, we're kind of a little late on the news because this was around kind of more like last week, I believe. Uh, but I'm I'm sure they're super grateful and hopefully the little one can get the kind of help they need. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, same here. And, um, yeah, it is uh, very awesome that the PFL went in and helped. And obviously you mentioned Dane and a bunch of other people helping with DB Ray there. And obviously it's good to see him back in the cage into uh, doing what he does best, man. But as far as uh, fights go, really looking forward to him happening this weekend. Looking forward to being there and hoping uh, that our boy Max can put on a fun show, man. As far as the show goes, I'm at Josh Shevinoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore 01. Of course, that sound for all things related to the show. Hope you guys have enjoyed. We've been killing it on all of our metrics, as I say at the end of every show every week. Uh, but thank you um, to everybody who is supporting the show. Subscribed recently, liked it, viewed it. We appreciate all of that support. Um, and hope you guys keep on staying with us. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.